Well, I want to uh, just uh, recap a couple of things regarding the, the character of God in terms of His holiness. I mean, you know, God is holy. Which means He's completely separate and set apart. There's nothing unholy about Him. In Revelation 4.8, the Bible says, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. It's interesting that uh, the Scripture doesn't say, even in Isaiah 6, love, 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 or faith, 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 or joy, joy, joy. It emphasizes what? God's holiness. So I want to encourage you that uh, tonight specifically, it is not a negative thing. It's not a drudgery. It's not a bondage to live your life in holiness. I'm going to pause for a few more amens, or I'm going back to the very beginning of this series on character. Keep you all night long, hallelujah. All right. <laughs> I believe you would do it too, yes. There are phenomenal blessings and there are phenomenal benefits to live in a holy life. Everything around you is contradicting that. And even many parts around the world and throughout the country, in churches, they're compromising this concept, thinking somehow it's legalism or somehow it's, it's bondage. It's not bondage to live in the best that God has to offer. It's a blessing to live in the best that God has to offer. And to do that, you've got to understand what holiness is. So we're not talking about the length of your skirt, whether you have makeup or gold jewelry on tonight. We're talking about something that resides in the heart and moves outward to affect our lives. And as we do live like He prescribes us to live, He does amazing things in us and through us. Raise your hand if you want God's best in the new year. I'm telling you that the closer you get to living this lifestyle and the more consistent you get to living this way, you're going to see God's best. Let me just say this as plainly as I can. Some folk don't want to pay the price to have God's best. I'm going to say it again. Some people don't want to pay the price to live God's best. Now, I wasn't raised in what you would call the holiness background. Many of you were not. Uh, you may have been raised the evangelical, but some of you were raised in a, in a holiness tradition. Sometimes they got into the ditch on the externals. But I'm also going to tell you this. They, they got a lot of things right. Yeah. Yeah. And because of that, you saw the power of God manifested in their midst. Mm -hmm. You will always see a correlation between the holiness of God's people and the outpouring or the manifestation of what God's trying to do. So don't ever let somebody tell you this is negative, it's browbeating, it's legalism. It's not about the particulars. There's very little I can say about your life specifically where you're lacking in holiness. I don't have that power. No, no, that's right. Now the Word of God does. Yes. And the Spirit of God does to tell you and me exactly where we're lacking. Um, so I want to define this carefully. And it may be that we spend a big part of the year talking about the core concept because God wants to do His best in you and through you. Amen. How many believe your best days are ahead of you? I'm going to ask you again. How many believe your best days are ahead of you? Hallelujah. Hey, look, there's a lot of crazy things out there, but God is getting ready to pour His Spirit out like never before on this nation. He's not done with this nation. He's not done with you. He's not done with our community. He's got great things. And you're here by divine appointment. You're in a season. You're on this earth because God ordained you that way. Now, one day when we all go to heaven, folks are going to come up to you, big name people like Abraham and Isaac, hallelujah, and Paul and others and Timothy, say, boy, I wish I would have lived during your day. Because <laughs> the nets are being prepared for a big haul. Glory to God. And uh, we've got to be part of that. And to be part of that, we have to be prepared. Now, Isaiah 6, the Bible says, In the year that King Uzziah died, verse 1, I saw the Lord high and exalted, 
seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, Holy, Holy. And you know what they're crying tonight? The same thing. He is the Lord our God. He changes not. They just can't help themselves. Amen. And as He is holy, He expects His people to be as well. Holy, 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 Lord, Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. Write this down. There's a connection between holy and glory. There is a connection between holy and glory. His manifest His presence, His power, and His goodness. Uh, if nobody else goes with you, make up your mind that you are going the holy way. Say it, though none go with me, still I will follow. Holy. In 1 Peter chapter 1, just read this to you, and then we want to talk about real quickly uh, how he makes us holy and then what those benefits are. But in 1 Peter 1 verse 13, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, we've never needed sober minds like we do today. Sober, alert. Set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at His coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Now notice now, because we've been given this force of righteousness, you conforming is now a choice. that you, you choose to yield to that. It's not something happening to you. Can I have an amen? amen? But just as He who called you is holy, so be holy in what? Some of the things you do. Be holy in the little churchy things you do. No, be holy in all you do. Say it, holy homes, holy marriages, holy money, holy relationships, holy everything. See, there's no breaking from this principle. It's not just in church you should be living this out. It's in what? In all things, in everything you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Now, how do you know that's not a great suggestion there? It's a command of God. Shout that out. Holiness, holiness is, is a, command. a command. So if we're lacking holiness in some area of life, then we're failing to keep the command of holiness. Well, pastor, tell me where I'm lacking. No, that's not my job. My job, preach the Word. It's the Holy Ghost's job to sick you. That's it. <laughs> and it's not a bad thing. I'm telling you, if you can still be convicted by the Holy Spirit, you're sitting here tonight and you still have times where He convicts you, you're a blessed person. There are multitudes of people who, because they have seared their conscience, because they have gotten hard towards the things of God, they cannot sense the conviction anymore. And what happens when you cannot be convicted, you're capable of anything. And absolutely everything. Turn to somebody again and say, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord. Well, again, from a couple of weeks ago, you, you can't be holy unless you're born again. There's no such thing as a holy person who's not born again. Don't call a Buddhist monk holy. Do not call somebody in Islam holy. Don't call somebody who's just a nominal Christian holy. Unless you're born again, you can't be. It is impossible to be holy without the new birth. How do you thank God you're born again? 
understand this, you've been given the, the gift of righteousness, which means you now have the force on the inside of you empowering you to be holy. Do not confuse righteousness with holiness. When I am perfect, then I'll be righteous. No, it's in receiving the gift of righteousness you have the potential to be holy. Without it, you can't. When you get the new birth, you get the gift of righteousness. I mean, God, He took your sin and He gave you His righteousness. It was a gift. Say, it is a gift. It's not something you earn. It's not something you perpetuate in terms of your ability. It's a gift. Now, that gift is a force. It's a spiritual force. It's pushing you now not to do wrong. It's pushing you to do what? To do right. How many before you got saved, you're good at sin? Some of y'all had a PhD in it. Yes, you did. <laughs> you were good at it. Why? Because you had a force of sin, the law of sin and death, operating in your life, compelling you, driving you. And you were very, very good at it. Well, something happened when you got born again is you were given this gift of righteousness. Now the force that's driving you is not sin. The force that's driving you now is righteousness. Yes. Which means that no one can make you sin. This, there are a lot of Christians that would rather not know this. <laughs> There's only one way for a Christian to sin now, is if they choose to. Now you, beginning a lifestyle of choosing not to sin, yielding to the force of righteousness, that's what holiness is all about. It is with that righteousness you now have the potential to be holy. Now what we want to do is grow in this. We're not going to arrive in one night in terms of our separation of our, our sanctification. But we should be growing in this. And some Christians have, well, if God wants to do something in my life, you know, He'll do it. I'm going to heaven, I'm born again, praise the Lord, end of the story. God expects us to partner with those supernatural forces that are available to us. And so every single day you have a choice. If you, if you are tempted to do something, you have the power to say no, because the Bible says with that temptation, he will provide a way of escape. Now, if you're honest, right before you're about to do something, say something, whatever, in that, you know, flashing, fleeting moment, there's the Holy Spirit saying no. A born-again Christian with a gift of righteousness, amen, <laughs> will always have the witness of the Spirit of God telling you no. That's how powerful this is. So literally, you and I have to roll over righteousness and roll over the conviction of the Holy Spirit and roll over our knowledge of the Word to go out and do what is wrong. In other words, Christians don't sin by accident. I'll say it another way. Christians sin on purpose. Aren't you glad it came night? <laughs> say it with me. Christians sin on purpose before they did it naturally. Right? And little fishes swim and dogs bark and cows moo and sinners do what? They sin. But what do Christians do? Like Christ. Not the Messiah, but like the Messiah is what Christian means. Your nature now is holiness. Yes. So you have to roll over and defy the very nature God has given you to sin. 
And then when we understand that, it, it really empowers us to deal with these things. It makes us more aware that uh, we don't have to live like everybody else. That's right. Amen? Say, so I don't have to. Well, what can I do? I can choose every day. Consecrate my mind. Say, consecrate my mind. Consecrate my ears. Consecrate my mouth. <laughs> there's an idea. Dear God, there's a sermon series if I ever heard one. Consecrate your feet where you go. Amen. Consecrate every dimension of your being, the things that you look at and you think about. You're, you're consecrating, you're separating yourself. Well, we know that the, that the blood does that. Say the blood. We know the Word does that. You know, the more you're in the Word, the more you're going to be separated. Listen, don't separate yourself from the things that will separate you from sin. Fellowship with the Spirit of God. Stay in the Word of God, glory. And, and make sure you're, you're actively consecrating yourself literally every single day. We know the Word of God will lay a foundation for separation. The Spirit of God in real time will umpire your behavior. The Spirit of God in real time will umpire your thought life. The Spirit of God in real time will umpire the words that you say That's true. if you'll let Him. Yes. But He's not going to come in and jump all over you. No. No. He's a gentleman. Yes. It really is a still, small voice. Yes. Yes. Now, every once in a while you may hear Him really bold and loud. And oftentimes when you do, it's in an emergency kind of a situation. It's, it's like in 9-11 where people were sitting in that subway and they actually, they actually heard somebody echo Echoing down that hall, you know, down that subway to run. But it wasn't a human being. It was the Spirit of God. And those that listened found deliverance in that particular time. Other people were told, don't go in, call in, go somewhere else. Other people were led and directed to go to a different restaurant or to a different coffee shop, or the case may be. We got to make sure we're dialed into the Holy Spirit. But watch this. You'll hear him during directional times and protection times. Amen. And when it's time for us to, to sow seeds and to do good things, whatever the case may be, but he's active in your life every single day when it comes to holiness. Yeah. Don't ever turn that button off. Amen. He's not trying to hurt you. Yeah. He's trying to give you the best version of the life that you can possibly have. That is in him. Can I have an amen? amen. I want to um, just mention this to you. The, 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 a healthy expectation and love for the Lord's return is a sanctifying habit in your life. How many are looking for Jesus to come back? Amen. On Sunday, we're going to deal with His first coming, and then two weeks after that, after the uh, New Year's Day, uh, New Year's, uh, not New Year's, Christmas Eve, we're going to talk about His second coming. And the Bible tells us that he that hath this hope in himself purifieth himself. I'm telling you that a big problem in the modern body of Christ is we don't expect His coming. And that causes us to live lower levels than we would. People that expect His return, like if you really believed He was coming back tonight, you might not do some things you might always thought about doing. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, he's not coming. Well, wouldn't you be surprised if you did? <laughs> Amen? You know, when, when the apostles met with Jesus and they saw Him go up, guess what? They expected Him to come right back down again. They weren't expecting a 2,000-year delay. So we can't adopt a mentality that's different from them. Paul expected his return any time. What happens is expectation for his return absolutely causes you to live a, a more holy, separated life. And it's not about fear. It's about honor. That's right. How many when he does come, you want to go in the first load? 
Second, I'm going. I'm going in the first load. It's fascinating. Don't uh, be psyched out or somehow thinking you can't understand uh, apocalyptic literature like Daniel and Revelation. We'll get into some of that in a couple of weeks on a Sunday morning. But to understand and appreciate um, just how wonderful it is to be part of that group. Yes. Amen. Amen. So let's get into this tonight uh, about these benefits. We'll spend more time on some of them and just give you kind of the, uh, the idea or the concept for some of them as well. When we choose to be holy, we are choosing to honor God. It is impossible for you and for me when we honor God for God not to honor us. And at the end of the day, that's what this is. Over in uh, Timothy chapter 4, 7 through 8, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness, for a bodily discipline is what? Only a little profitable, but godliness is profitable in what? All things. Shout it out. Profitable, profitable. in all things. things. Say it again. Profitable, profitable. in what? All things. all things. Let's lose our negative attitude about holiness. Right. Well, let's come to that. i got to be holy. When uh, Gloria Copeland started preaching about these things years ago, uh, you know, people appreciated that, and there was really some strong teaching. Jerry uh, Savelle started preaching about it. They started nicknaming him Holy Jerry, making fun of it. It's nothing to make fun of. No. When somebody talks to you about holiness, they're helping you. They're blessing you. Say it, holiness. Holiness, holiness teaching holiness. is a blessing. It's a blessing. It has it has a, a profitability in everything in your life. We're thinking just spiritual things. No, in every area of your life, holiness is profitable. Since it holds promise, the Bible says, for the present life and also the life to come. It's not just be holy so you can go to heaven. Be holy so you can have heaven on earth. It has hope for the present life. It's a force and influence in the present life and the one to come. How many understand we're going to have a wonderful time over there? I've often said this, you know, if, if there was any kind of negative emotion or sorrow over there, we understand that God heals us and delivers us and puts us in perfect peace. Those tears are wiped away. Um, they're not feeling sorry for us you should absolutely not feel sorry for them. But if somebody was to feel sorry for one one group of them, it would be them feeling sorry for us because we're still down here in this nastiness. They're in perfect peace. No more crying, no more sighing, no more dying, no more lack, no more anything. And one day with the resurrection, a perfect glorified existence and body like the Lord. Amen. But if you're not careful, you think, well, this whole holiness thing is just about the life to come. No, it's not. Oh, it's also about the life here. right here. It certainly affects the life to come. But it also affects the life you're living right now. Raise your hand if you truly want the best that God has for you in this life. Then you've got to take holiness seriously. It matters how you live, how you function. Let me say this. It's not just a matter of, of what you think is right and wrong. It's also about what the Spirit of God says. And it's also about the appearance of things. Abstain from every appearance of evil. If it even smells or looks wrong, a Christian should be a thousand miles away from it. 
Don't you go screaming about your liberty and your freedom in Christ. The whole point of Paul's teaching about eating meat and drinking certain things is don't do things in such a way that you forget that you can impact somebody's eternal welfare by it. Why would you want to scream liberty and then risk somebody's eternal salvation? Well, they can just get over it. That's not how this works. A Christian should care about somebody else and their behavior should reflect that they care about other people. Say so abstain. From even the appearance of evil. Said abstain from even the appearance of evil. Not just from the evil. Watch this. Here's the evil. Stay away from it. But also stay away from what? Even the appearance that you're participating in evil. <laughs> I had an Old Testament professor. His name was Raymond Levang. He was a northern, I believe he was actually from Minnesota and actually taught the North Central for years and years and years. And uh, he would say things like, you know, if he was kind of, you know, Testament mindset, and he'd say, I'll guarantee you one thing, you sin, he would do like this. And he had a little bit of tremors and you sin, you pay. <laughs> Aren't you glad Jesus paid? <laughs> say it with me, Jesus paid. Jesus paid. Praise the Lord. Say again, Jesus paid. He paid it all. Praise God. And when I, when I think about you know, his, his teaching, he was just trying to help people understand that some people think that the New Testament is easing the standard, reducing the standard for holiness. And I love how he put it. This is what he said. He said, the New Testament doesn't diminish or reduce the standard. He said it tightens the screws. Huh? Say it. The New Testament tightens the screws. The standard is higher. So you've got the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, and you have all the commandments that, of course, through the years and the Torah that Jews added to that. But what you have in, in a New Testament experience is you're born again. Say, I'm born again. Aren't you glad you're born again? Yes. So now you have the Holy Spirit there. And if you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you have what? Even more sensitivity right. with these things, which is important these last days. But if you're born again, the Spirit of God moves on the inside of you. So now you just don't have, you know, the Bible, you know, telling you right and wrong. You have the Holy Ghost in real time. Uh -huh. yes. uh -huh. yes. Say it with me. It tightens the screws. You see it in Jesus' teaching, right? You've heard it say, right? Uh, on specific moral teachings, he was saying it's not just the act of adultery. It's the meditation or the thought of adultery. I don't sit there and say, well, pastor, since I thought, I guess I'll go ahead and do it because <laughs> might as well. No, that's what you call double done. But the point is, he's, he's not lowering the standard. He's raising the standard. For what? Consistent, daily devotion and consecration to him. Write this down, holiness. Just a general definition. You'll hear this a lot in the coming days and weeks and months. Holiness is unpunctuated obedience to God. What does that mean? You don't take a break or vacation from it. 
a lot of Christians have the mindset is, I'll just kind of do what I want to do, and then every once in a while, I'll break into obedience on something. Like, you know, I'll just do what I want to do, and then maybe on the big decisions, I'll go and ask him what he thinks. The truth is, you're supposed to be dead. So what you think is immaterial. It's what the Lord says that matters. Are you here tonight? Say, it's what the Lord says that matters. In other words, he will provide a spouse for you. You don't have to compromise to have one. He will show you the job you're supposed to be at. Not You just look across the board and, and pick whatever it is and ask God to bless it. We're, we're in a different day. We are not spiritually dumb. We are not spiritually deformed people. There are no, listen, there are no birth defects in the body of Christ. There's nothing wrong with your new birth. But there is something wrong with the renewing of our minds because we haven't understood that once you get born again, your life doesn't belong to you anymore. That's just for the preachers. No, it's for every born again person. You must die daily. To live is Christ and to die is gain. He must Increase, you must decrease. So you saying, I'm going to go here to this job. I'm going to live in this place. I'm going to go to that town. I'm going to, I'm, 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 listen to that. I'm, 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 sounds not like, like Satan in Isaiah 14. Yeah. I will ascend. Mm-hmm. No, I is supposed to be dead when you got born again. You say, well, how come I got born again? And I'm just now hearing this or understand because it is a matter of the renewing of the mind. Say, he must increase, and I, and I must decrease. You say, oh, that just sounds so horrible. No, it's just reading the Word of God, following God, learning to have unpunctuated obedience in your life. You say, that's not possible. It is possible. Jesus said, I always do the things that please him. I only say what he says. See, that was him saying amen, praise the Lord. He, all, he only said what the Father told him to say, and he only did what he saw the Father do. Well, that's Jesus. Guess what? Be holy. Be holy. Be unpunctuated in your obedience, for I am what? Unpunctuated in my holiness. Aren't you glad God doesn't take a day off? Could you imagine the havoc that he could wreak? No, he's only always holy. Uh, the standard in the body of Christ in America particularly has to, has to be raised. And it's on this particular character trait of God. Yes, he's loving, he's kind, he's gracious, he's merciful. He's also holy. Yes, he is. Amen? Yes. Um, the bottom line is the first great benefit for you and for me of holiness is inheriting that eternal kingdom. It doesn't just start when we die. It's now. But it's also what he has for you in the future. And you have to understand that um, there is no unrighteousness, there's no unholiness going to be there. No unrighteousness because no one who has not experienced the new birth will be there. Mm -hmm. Say it, you must be be born again. Oh no, he's got a special plan B for all the Jews. Explain why Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. If that's what's applied to the Jewish leadership, and it is a false devilish teaching to tell a Jew, you don't have to get born again. Oh my. 
threatening their eternal salvation. They get saved by faith just like Father Abraham got saved by faith in the coming seed. You and I have faith in the seed that came. Does that make sense? And make no mistake about it. If Nicodemus, a Jewish leader, had to be born again, then every other Jew has to be born again as well. And how many know God can do it? Yes, he can. <laughs> Amen. Right? But watch this. You and I now, born again, right? Righteous. There is nothing unrighteous in heaven. There is nothing unholy in heaven. Why would God send somebody to hell? Let me help you out with this, okay? When you and I got born and then started to grow up, um, we all already punched our ticket to hell. Let me help you out. Everybody in this room was on the SS go to hell train. Every single one of us. And it's barely down the tracks. Had nothing to do with God. God never said sin so you'll go to hell. And here's the kicker. There's only one way to exit that train. And his name is Jesus. And if you won't get on his train coming the other way, and you choose to stay on that train, don't blame my heavenly father for it. Because I can tell you this, hell is a spiritual quarantine. Nothing unholy is coming to heaven. And can I tell you something else? Don't discount this present generation. They can't understand these things. That is nonsense. The reason they can't understand is because we're watering down the word of God instead of telling them there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And all about you, I got off that hellbound train back in 1982 and I'm not getting back on it in Jesus' name. And I want to take everybody I can with me. That's our job. As it passes by, scream, get off that train. It's not awful. Narrow-minded. I think there's only one way. There's only one person that paid the price. Only one perfect son of God that died for you. Only one that was raised from the dead. And amen. Applied his blood to that holy of holies. Only one. It's not about being narrow-minded. He made it simple. One name. Under heaven. Give it among men by which you what? Must be saved. Here comes the salvation train. I recommend you take it highly. Because there ain't nothing else coming. Ever. That's it. Aren't you glad you got on the salvation train? I said, aren't you glad you got on the salvation train? I said, aren't you glad you got on the salvation train? This is what the word tells us. Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither the fornicators nor idolaters nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves of mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Paul couldn't have said it any plainer. Then he goes on to say in Galatians chapter 5, 19, the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, what's interesting is, we'll say, that's right. Those adulterers, those homosexuals, you know, those people that are effeminate, those people that are doing drugs, those alcoholics. And he mentions people who cause factions and divisions in the same category. Amen. Well, how can we protect ourselves growing in our holiness? Say it, unpunctuated obedience to God. 
Amen. Hebrews 12. Make every effort to live in peace with all men and be holy without holiness. No one will see the Lord. Revelation chapter 21 verse 8. But the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers. That's right. Give it to them. And idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. This is, uh, of course, the Lord talking. How many are going to believe Jesus instead of the modern theologian and preacher teacher? Amen. Mm-hmm. Preachers and leaders who preach against hell, there is no hell. They're guilty of what I call spiritual eternal malpractice. I just caught this little video of a man. He was probably in his 70s or 80s, and he pastored for, for decades. And he died, literally, and he was in the presence of God. And he was literally personally talking to the Lord himself. And obviously, he, he was sent back. He came back, you know, from the dead. And he said, the Lord looked at him and he said, your righteousness is no better than the righteousness of the Pharisees. He said, you have idolatry in your life just like Satan had idolatry in his life. And he said, that idol is self. You're still doing things for self. Jesus said it like this, why do you call me Lord, Lord? And don't do what I say. Right here in this scripture. It's easy to talk about the drunkards and the fornicators and the sexually immoral, but what about the person that in any given day still refuses to do what God tells them to do? In other words, if you're still worshiping self instead of dying to self, you're in a, a, a place of idolatry, and the idol is yourself. Look at somebody and say, hmm, let's just have the altar call right now. Let's just, let's just pray. <laughs> um, there really is no altar call to, to do this. This is a lifetime choice for you. It's a daily choice. It's you're going to knock self off the throne and put the Lord back on there so you can live unpunctuated obedience to the Lord. Um, that man's talking to the Lord and goes, but, but I preach and I teach. People have gotten saved by the droves and people have gotten healed and God's moving spiritual gifts. And he's like, I don't care about any of that stuff. You're operating in idolatry. There are a lot of people doing the same thing. Um, well, then, if I'm not doing it for you, Lord, who am I doing it for? He said, yourself. It's subtle, but it's so easy to get tricked into what? My thoughts, my way, my town, my decision, amen, my life, my emotions, instead of doing what? seeing how self is actually manifesting in your life and choosing to put that self down. There's nobody that can do that but you. And the other problem we have in the body of Christ is whenever God does try to correct us, you know, through His ministry and through His people, you want to see self go away? See, correction is anointed to diminish self in your life. Say that with me. Correction is anointed to diminish self in your life. But a lot of Christians, when they get corrected, more self pops out. That's not the design for correction. So be careful when God does have somebody lovingly come to you, right? 
and they want to see God's best in your life, that you don't rear up at them, proving that you need to crucify that self. You bite somebody's head off, no self here. <laughs> that's, that's where God's taking us. How many are willing to let God do that in your life in this next year? This completely, amen, this, all year long is just a decrease in self and an increase in Him. In other words, see it as idolatry, not just as a bad thing. Amen? Getting up tomorrow morning, I will not be, what, an idol to myself. Glory to God. Here's a second great benefit, and it's a wonderful one. Freedom from guilt and condemnation. Think about this. Unpunctuated obedience to God means what? Not walking around in condemnation. A single day. How many of y'all remember what guilt feels like? Yeah. Romans 8 tells us there's now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. The Spirit. So if you are walking that way, unpunctuated obedience, then you get to live, let's say that you manage to do this the rest of the week, you get to live the rest of the week without condemnation and guilt. Let me ask you this question. How, what's the longest you ever lived without condemnation and guilt? We'll just move along. It's just. But it's possible to have ever-increasing periods of time. And I'm not talking about what man's trying to heap on you. I'm talking about what the Word does and what the Spirit of God does. And understand this, if you're, if you're new to this principle, you know, comparing and contrasting condemnation with conviction. Condemnation is worked by the devil. Conviction is worked by the Holy Spirit. Condemnation always pushes you further away from God. Conviction always draws you closer to Him. That's how you can tell who's talking to you. If it's conviction, it's going to actually bring you closer to Him. Amen? Say it. Freedom from guilt and condemnation. Here's another one. Peace and joy. You want real peace? Jesus said, good news of great joy, which shall be to all people. Well, you don't get to enjoy the great joy unless you what? Embrace the one that brings the peace. <laughs> you can't have peace walking around in condemnation, you know, because in conviction, not conviction in terms of God trying to move your life in the right direction, but you're walking around, you know, doing all these things that are wrong. You're not going to have peace and joy. Here's another one. Increase in the anointing. Anybody interested in being used of God more than you've ever been in your life? Woo! Say it with me. Increase, Increase. in anointing. anointing. Now, you can't find anybody in the Bible who was sanctified and not see God not using them. But Jesus, of course, is our, our model, isn't he? Yes. And uh, we see in the prophets the same pattern. In the New Testament era, in the past century, people like Smith Wigglesworth, I've taught this on many occasions, uh, he was asked often, uh, what's the secret to the power that God is using you with and how that power is flowing through your life? And he said, well, he said, first of all, um, he goes, I'm constantly in prayer. And he was constantly what? Praying, Praying in the Holy Ghost. Uh, if somebody's making fun of you, let them make fun of you. Amen. You're actually praying in a supernatural language and you're actually laying the foundation for the supernatural. So let them laugh on. Amen. You're in good company. If the first century church got laughed at, who do you think you are? And part of it's just fear. They're afraid. They're terrified of the things of the Spirit because they can't control them. That's what religion likes to do. 
Amen. He prayed almost nonstop in the Holy Ghost. Somebody said, well, how long do you pray? He goes, well, I don't know normally pray longer than 20 minutes, but I can't really go any time at all without praying. So he's living this lifestyle of unpunctuated prayer. The other thing he said is, I'm, I'm constantly in the Word of God. The Bible says, Thy Word is truth. Sanctify them with Thy truth. And uh, you would always see him with his face in his, in his Bible. He must have had a really good eyesight because he's a little tiny Bible. And this is what he would do. You see him on a train, he's in the Bible. You see him sitting on a bench, he's in the Bible. And the third thing he said is, I live a holy and consecrated life before God. Now, a lot of people will say, yes, amen, pray. Yes, amen, get in the Word. And then when it comes to living what? Unpunctuated obedience to God. That's where I mean the price is not being paid. I mean, like to have more anointing on your life, not less. It's, it's not about God picking and choosing. It's about people paying the price. No one put this better. If you can ever get an old uh, video of her, watch, this, watch Catherine Kuhlman teach on this principle. Yeah. Paying the price, the flow and the power of God. There's nothing, there's no teaching out there like it. But make sure you understand what they're saying. Say it. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Stay in the Word of God. Be, be holy. Say what? Be holy. Now, you're not going to arrive tomorrow on this, but how many should be progressing without giving yourself excuses? Well, I'll give myself six months to figure this out. You've had longer than that. In the next 10 years, I'll figure this out. No, what you're doing now is you're just giving yourself permission to rationalize this principle away. Amen. Vessels of honor. Who wants to be a vessel of honor? Amen. 2 Timothy 2, in a great house are vessels of gold and silver, wood and earthenware, some for honorable, noble purpose, and others for ignoble or menial purpose. The Bible says if a man cleanses himself, then he'll be a vessel of honor. Who's supposed to cleanse himself? We are. We are. See, we, we have taught ourselves in religion, says God will pick whether you're a gold pot or a clay pot. Listen to me very carefully. You decide whether you're a gold pot or a clay pot. I'm just an old clay pot. I'm just an old servant for the Lord with a clay pot. Just menial task. Somewhere along the line, you decided to be a clay pot. Now, here's a tip. Stop confessing you're a clay pot. <laughs> Say, I'm a gold pot. I'm a silver pot. I'm a titanium pot. <laughs> and what's in that vessel? The pure anointing of God. But it's not enough to confess it. You've got to back it up with what? Cleanse himself. How many of you all wash your dishes periodically? How many of you wash your dishes before you put them in the washer? They're going to be clean, bless God. <laughs> you have you ought to have the same uh, you know, mindset towards your spiritual life. Constantly evaluate. Not condemning, but constantly evaluating. Say, my thoughts... My words, my motives, my actions, and you can be a vessel in honor. It should be no surprise to you that uh, favor and holiness go hand in hand. Favor refers to open doors and opportunities from God. Anybody here want more opportunities and open doors from God? Well, it just it's interesting, but when you see people live separated lives, not religious, legalistic lives, but separated based on the Word and the ministry of the Holy Spirit, how God opens doors and does things for that person. And then somebody with some crackpot will criticize them because of the good things are in their life. 
Uh, Joel Osteen was being interviewed the other day by one of these late night talk hosts, and he a, has a reputation for slamming Christians and conservatives in general. And, um, you know, he was talking about, uh, you know, the, the wealth of some of the ministries that are out there and those that are in the ministry. And uh, he was trying to go, you know, bear down on him because you could, you could tell he hadn't really talked to Joel Osteen or didn't know Joel Osteen. Because if he would have, he would have heard Joel say, I don't take a salary from the ministry. Every dollar he has has come from his books. You want to give Joel Osteen a dollar? Don't buy his book. It's real complicated. Are you here today? What you don't realize is that that favor will always come in a consistent manner with the vessel, amen, that it's directed towards. Raise your hand if you want more favor. About 2024, want more favor? Open doors, opportunities, live more holy than ever before. Pay attention to what the Word is saying. Pay attention to what the Spirit of God is saying. Pay attention to the Word being preached and taught. Take every time you're under the Word. I don't care where it is or what's going on. Sunday school, main you know, services, you're traveling, you're visiting a church. And I hope when you travel, you also don't go to dead churches. Amen. I'm telling you what, you can unravel something that's taken me two years to build inside of you by going to a dead church while you're on vacation or somewhere else. Yes. Guard your heart. Guard your mind. They'll try to creep back in there with this nonsense. If you let them, it's your life. It's your favor that's on the line at that point in time. Does that make sense? I mean, we'll be, uh, you know, disappointed and certainly want to see more things, you know, good in your life. But if you choose to go back into that stuff and mix a little poison with the Word of God, you're not going to see the kind of favor and the kind of results you want. So holiness and favor, they travel together. We'll say it like this to you. Write this down. Holiness attracts favor. Didn't I mention these are marvelous benefits, outstanding, amazing benefits? See, you, oh, got to be holy. Does it come to that? No, you get to be holy. And if you choose to live this lifestyle, you're going to attract things like favor into your life. Amen. How many with a raised hand could say that uh, there are times where you know God has dealt with you and you still haven't dealt with that the way he would be satisfied with? Anybody? That's a good place to start right there. That's a good place for you, not somebody else to judge you. That's a good place for you to judge yourself. We see that the manifestation of the blessing increases. And that shouldn't be a surprise to us when we look at Deuteronomy 28. The Bible says, if you hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, everybody say diligently, means do it and keep on doing it. Don't stop being diligent. If you are diligent in these things, the voice of the Lord our God, His word, then all these blessings shall come up on you and overtake you. It's impossible for you and for me to be more separated and more holy and not walk in more of his what? His empowerment. Say it with me, the blessing of God. His empowerment to prosper, to succeed, to bear much fruit, to have longevity, to increase. That's what it does. Deuteronomy 28 also describes what happens when you are not living a holy life. You volunteer back, even though you've been redeemed, you're volunteering for curse creep in your life. And the opposite comes up on you and overtakes you. Um, I don't know about you, but you know, I've had all the creep <laughs> that I want. 
I've had all the curse that I want. Look at somebody and say, no curse creep here, glory to God. Um, you say, well, that's okay. No, the principles remain, and they are true. And in this new year, you certainly can, can increase greatly in the manifestation of that blessing by living a life that, uh, that pleases the Lord. Say it with me again, unpunctuated obedience to the Lord that causes more of His blessing to manifest in your life. Amen. Then the last one, certainly not least, is confidence with God in prayer. In 1 John 3, Beloved, if our hearts do not condemn, condemn us, we have confidence before God and we receive from Him whatever we ask because we keep His commandments and do what is pleasing in His sight. Do you see this? Say it, I keep His commandments and do what is pleasing in His sight. Come on, shout it out. I keep His commandments and I do what is pleasing in His sight. So I don't have condemnation operating. I have great confidence that what I'm asking for is going to be what? It's going to manifest. Um, and it's not just about you praying for stuff. It's about you praying for people. That's right. Uh, most of you have been in these things long enough to know the things we believe. We believe that God is still a healer. Amen. We believe in the laying on of hands. Yes. We believe that these things are agents of God's transfer of supernatural power to cause people to get, to get well. But if you've been in that for a while, you know there are times when you are very bold and courageous and confident. Yes. And there are times when you're kind of sheepish and wimpish. Yeah. True. Your sheepishness... <laughs> And your wimpishness, if that's a word, it's coming from your own personal knowledge of a lack of unpunctuated obedience to God. But oh, when you have been obedient and that anointing comes on you, it's nothing but faith releasing that. There's nothing blocking that confident level in the release of that anointing. And see, it's not just, you know, I, I'm going to benefit from walking in holiness, but a lot of other people are going to benefit from me walking in holiness. Do you understand this? It's not about just us. How many really want to see the power of God hit people? We've got to pay the price. You know, stay in the Word. Stay in prayer. Pray in the Holy Ghost all the time, but don't ignore the promptings and the convictions and the redirections of the Holy Ghost because that is a key indicator. It's a, you know, unholiness is a blessing blocker. It's an anointing hinderer. Why was Jesus so powerful? Why was Paul so powerful? These weren't perfect people, not Paul, not Peter, but the power of God flowed in them because they were learning and they were growing. Amen. Can you receive that today? Yes. Say it, holiness. holiness. Holy, holy, holy. holy, holy, holy. Say it with me, I choose, I choose in, my life, in my life every day, every day with the force of righteousness, force of righteousness based on the new birth, on the new birth to, grow to grow in holiness, in holiness every day of my life. I will grow, I will grow in unpunctuated in obedience, obedience unto the Lord. Lord. And what will happen? These amazing things will just increase in your life. Uh, they're there. It's plain from Scripture. Uh, if we choose this, uh, amen, our best days are ahead of us. Amen. amen. Say, my best days, my best days are, ahead of me. are ahead of me. Glory to God. There is, there's absolutely, watch this, nothing negative about living the holy life. Amen. Nothing. 
well, pastor, some people called me a holy person and they started withdrawing from me and they, they cut me off and rejected me. That wasn't a bad thing. No. Iron sharpeneth iron, and compromise begets compromise. Uh, the more holy you get, the hotter you're going to get. The more some folk are not going to want to be around you. Don't take that as a discouraging thing. Some of y'all have been trying to get rid of some of those people for years, and now God's going to do it, and you're mad about it. <laughs> and when you're around people in your family, don't compromise. Just live your life. The day, I, got, I mean, the week or month I got born again in spirit filled, I was just sitting on my, my dad's mom's bed in, in Carbondale. Don't even know why I was actually in that room at that time, but I was just sitting there reading the Bible. I absolutely had no boldness at that point to say anything to my brother James. By this time, Tammy's already walking with God, born again, spirit filled, you know, spit fire for the Lord, just completely bold. And there me, basically a newbie coming in from the Lutheran background into the new birth and into the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's why I understand you folk that aren't from this background. I've been there. I know how you feel. I know how you perceive things. But press on. These are good things. And I'm just sitting there. I would. I didn't have the courage to come up with two words to my brother James about the Lord. And he wasn't serving God. I made some bad choices back then in terms of relationships and the way he was living. I bought a 67 Mustang from him, cherry red, 351 Cleveland, amen, glass packs. When you turn it on in the morning, it spoke in tongues. Buh, 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 buh. Everybody in the neighborhood knew I was awake. I bought that from him and um, went to a junkyard and uh, found an old 67 and found a console, a new console, because part of this console with a little you know, lid that came down was broken. And the guy that worked for my mom at the, uh, the daycare in the YMCA was able to work on cars, and he was able to do this. And so he pulls the console out, and I'm telling you, about a half a bag of pot falls out, and all kinds of papers fall out. He looks at me like, not mine, I just bought the car, bless God. But guess whose car it was? I've never even told him that story. <laughs> so don't y'all tell him that story. <laughs> I had absolutely no, at that point in time, right? I'm just sitting on the bed reading the Bible. And he walks past us like this, and he sees me, and he sees what I'm doing. He comes back, and he goes, you and Tammy think you're the only ones that know anything. And he walked out the door. I'm like, where on earth did that come from? I didn't say anything. I wouldn't have the courage to say anything. Fast forward to about 1989, we're on the golf course in Savannah, Georgia. Dad and I are playing, and he's playing. And Jamie's like, hey, why don't you go do something? He knew that I was in the ministry. They just came out of seminary. He goes, why don't you go do something and make some money? And all of a sudden, I was a different person. And I said, because, James, we don't decide what we're going to do or where we're going to go or what we're going to do with our lives. Because there's a call on all of our lives. This is what God has called me to do. I go from saying absolutely nothing to right up there in his face saying, because this is what God called me to do. Can I tell you something cool? All of my family now born again. All of them are. But I'm just, I'm just telling you that to understand this, that the further you go down this path, and this is for some folks here in this church. How many still want God's best in your life? There are a lot of people can't go where you're going. There are a lot of people won't go where you're going. You might find some in the Sunday morning crowd in this church that won't go where you're going. You don't have to reject people, just walk home with God. 
if they choose to be a, a clay pot, and you made a decision to be a gold pot, amen, they'll have some irrational things to say to you, too. But it's not you they're attacking, it's the Spirit of God on the inside of you. Does that make sense? Yeah. Say it with me one more time. Unpunctuated, Unpunctuated. Obedience, obedience unto, unto the Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can you receive that today? Let's pray about that. Say, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I realize the biggest idol in my life, the biggest idol that will ever be in my life is me. Lord, I repent for idolizing myself, for choosing self too many times. Lord, I repent of that. And because of that, I've lived below your standard of what it means to be holy. I've got a brand new start. And I choose from this day on to grow in holiness, to put down that idol and make Jesus Lord over every area of my life. In Jesus' name, I am growing. And I'm asking you, with the force of righteousness, the power of your word, the ministry of your spirit, when at times I need it, correction of the brethren, to have unpunctuated obedience unto the Lord from this day forward, in Jesus' name, amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. There are great benefits. Amen. This is a far cry from just how long your sleeve is or how high your hair is. Amen. Some ladies in the tradition of holiness had high hair and big mouths. Uh huh. Am I right about it? So what point is this? If this is what? What the Bible is very plain. has some very interesting ways of describing this. The world of iniquity. You know what? I don't think necessarily your hair is a world of iniquity, but your mouth can be. Does that make sense? So what you should be doing as you uh, close out this year is just being real with the Lord. Say, Lord, show me. Where am I missing the mark? My thought life, my words, my actions, my behavior. Am I still running my life? You, know, you see, if you are Lord over your life, even at this point in time in your Christian formation, then you're not walking in holiness. A self-directed, listen carefully, a self-directed Christian. You're all okay tonight? A self-directed Christian is not a holy Christian. It's time to stop doing that right now. I don't know what to do. I don't know what's going to happen. You don't have to know. You just have to know that if I obey God, everything's going to be just fine in Jesus' name. It'll keep you in faith and out of fear. Praise God. Say it with me. Holy. 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 Is the Lord be holy because I am holy? We're supposed to be holy like He is holy. So, in describing you, we ought to be able to describe you as holy, 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 not ignorant, 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 or filthy, 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 or selfish, selfish, selfish. Oh, wait a minute now. I'm supposed to be like God is? Be imitators of God as dear children. Say it. Holy, holy, holy. holy, holy. <laughs> I can hear some of y'all saying, I haven't even got the holy yet. Amen. Give me a break here. 
Now you want holy, holy, holy in my life. Um, that's who he is. It's his essential attribute. And everything that plays out in the end times will be based on that. So make sure you're on the right side of this thing. Amen.